Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Coffee and Prayer. I'm Pastor Andrew F. Carter, and I am here in Sweet Home, Oregon. And it is 5.30 a.m. in the morning. Good morning. Little, little different uh, background, as you guys can see, as you guys are coming in. Just know I am at my mom's house. I'm on the bunk bed that I get to sleep in when I come down here and visit my kids. And so, uh, you know, we're just hopping in here. Coffee and prayer, day 126 in a row. You guys, 126 days in a row. We have gathered from around the world, okay? Different time zones, different cities, different states. And uh, we have consistently pursued the Lord. We have persistently, consistently with discipline, just like the discipline of an athlete have shown up and shown out. So forgive the, forgive the lighting. It's not uh, the best, but uh, we got Wi-Fi and it's warm. It is warm. I chose to, I chose to not go out to the car this morning because it is cold in Oregon. You guys, it is cold. I'm wearing a hoodie and a beanie and sweatpants inside. If that gives you an idea of how spoiled I got living in California, but check it out. Worldwide ministry. We got people from around the world. Texas. We got people from uh, Atumwa, Pennsylvania, Switzerland, Chicago. People are saying they're waiting for the trumpet. You know, you wake up, you look outside and see what chapter or revelations we're in today. Uh, whether it's famine, disease, pestilence, war, it's uh, the, the, the signs of the times, right? And so as we come in here, I just, I just want to come in and also set the tone that we're coming in with uh, just a, a heavy heart for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, but not just Ukraine, but we have brothers and sisters in Russia as well. Like I understand that Ukraine is being invaded. That's, you know, Russia has declared war and, um, but do understand that not everybody in Russia supports it. Not everybody in Russia is a part of what they are doing. There are people who are in opposition. We have brothers and sisters in Christ in both places that we need to be lifting up in prayer, sending love and, um, man, just, just encouragement holding the fort down. Amen. Amen. So uh, check it out. I need somebody to put, uh, we're going to jump right into it, right? Somebody put in the, the chat, Romans chapter five and Psalm 115. Somebody said, we don't need special lightings. I'm still, you know what? I feel way better. I'm not sick anymore, but now I have this residual, especially being in the cold. Now I've got this like snotty nose. That's gross. I'm sorry. I'll try not to do that. But uh, yeah, as I'm trying to talk, I'm just like, uh, 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 but I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Somebody, anybody, throw that Romans. There we go. There's Roman 5. Can I get the Psalm? There we go. That's what I'm looking for. So then I don't have to mess with it. Now it's in the chat. You guys can figure out and see what we are doing here. So glory to God. Romans chapter 5, you guys. I had, I had to highlight the whole thing, basically. Just fire. The Lord is just speaking pure fire. Just a reminder, you guys are reading the chapter on your own. I'm not reading it to you. Um, today's going to kind of feel like that because there's so much I want to go over, but you read this on your own. This is not uh, story time with Pastor Carter. I am encouraging you guys to get uh, used to reading your Bible, running to it for your questions. So many people have questions, you know, Andrew, you know, what do you think about this? And it's like, don't, don't, it don't matter what Andrew thinks. What does the Bible say? Because understand that what I think is going to be based on the Bible. I can save you guys a lot of time waiting for me to respond to your message. If you want to know what I think about something, what is the stance, the biblical stance? Because that's where I stand. I follow Christ. I follow the word of God. Amen. So in Romans chapter five, 
like right out the gate. Verse 1, since we have been made right with God by our faith, we have peace with God. There's a sermon right there in and of that itself, right? Uh, We've been made right with God through faith, not by our works. And so that means that we have peace with God. Like, do how many of us are truly walking in peace? Does that make sense? How many of us are truly walking in the peace that we have and the knowing that we are right with God? Because at the end of the day, this life, the only thing that truly matters, broken record time, the only thing that truly matters is our our faith in Christ. Right? This world, this this life isn't about us. Every experience, every opportunity, every gift, every place that you are put is done so so that God can receive glory. Does that make sense? If you've got a new job, job God's putting you in that new job to bring glory and honor to his name, to be an evangelist in that place, to be a light in that place, and to draw people to him. If you are talented and you are uh, an athlete or an entertainer or you have the gift of music, God is, uh, he has blessed you with those gifts and those talents to make him more known. Not just to give you big cars and to go nice places and to wear chains and jewelry is what usually happens when people, you know, utilize these talents and these gifts in order to become successful and they lose sight of what's truly at hand. The most important thing is that we use the time, energy, effort, resources that we have here on this earth to make him more known. And we're so quick to be distracted. We're so quick to get sidetracked. We have that squirrel mentality. We can be on fire for God and something good happens and it's squirrel. We're running over here and we're chasing after money. We're chasing after fame and clout and influence and have lost sight of what the most important thing is. And the most important thing is that we have salvation and relationship with God through faith in Jesus. Therefore, nothing else should be able to disturb our peace because we understand that we have a hold of something that cannot be taken away from us, right? Because this is good news. This is good news. So as a Christian, if you're walking around and you don't have peace, you're constantly moved by your situation or your feelings or your emotions, it's because your perspective of what this life is about is skewed. It doesn't mean that you're not saved. You're saved. You're sanctified. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. Those aren't things that are taken away. You don't receive Jesus and then God stands over you trying to pull it away from you, waiting for you to make a mistake. We'll find out as we go further. There's no more anger for us. When you put your faith in Jesus, he sees you as the righteousness of Christ. And because of that, you should have peace. But we allow the enemy. Oh, I'm preaching this morning. Happy Friday, by the way. Right? This is how we're going to start Friday. Is is today Friday? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to start the weekend just like this. Because you have faith in Jesus, you have what you need. You should have, like, that is where your peace should come, understanding that you do not have to spend eternity separated from God. So that, that right there in and of itself should bring you a sense of peace that transcends understanding. And, and so I'm not saying that the other things that happen should be easy, but as we continue to read, uh, it says that this happened, right? We have faith, we have peace with God. Because of our faith, our faith made us right. This happened through our Lord Jesus Christ who has brought us into that blessing of God's grace that we now enjoy, right? The the, the life and the idea of a Christian is that you should be living with peace 
and and enjoy like there should be this overwhelming happiness you, you should find the mindset to be like man i've lost everything but you know what i got jesus that's that's enough that should be enough and you will continue to search you will continue to walk in disappointment discouragement frustration uh you will continue to be emotional you will continue to be anxious and depressed if you keep allowing your circumstances to dictate your joy your joy and your peace should come from the knowing and understanding that you have salvation through the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ and that you have a god who is with you you have the holy spirit that is in you that should be enough to bring you joy and, and what that tells me is that your perspective is so focused on yourself and your circumstances. You believe that this life is about you. You believe that maybe God owes you some comfort. You maybe, you, you maybe think that God owes you some ease and we get self-centered and think, well, uh, I'm just asking for a break. I just don't want it to be so hard. Nowhere in here does it say that the life, the physical life that we will live, will we will experience a life of ease once we put our faith in Jesus. And you can look over and over and over again at the apostles and the disciples and the followers of Christ who were filled with joy, who were filled with a sense of peace, and they had so much boldness and authority they would stand in front of individuals who wanted to rip them limb from limb, who wanted to persecute them, beat them, stone them, hang them upside down, boil them alive. And they would stand there with the peace and the joy of knowing that this is not what it's about, right? Imagine Jesus, okay, going to the cross and be like, man, I just want a break. This ain't easy. Gosh, God, could you just give me a break? Can I just get, can, can I just get a little bit of ease here? You see, man tried to change Jesus over and over and over again by threats, by physical violence, by, by beating him, scourging him. Like they tried to change who he was, but he was unchangeable. He knew his mission. He knew the assignment. He continued forward. He moved forward with uh, a grace and a love and a peace and uh, a true joy knowing that what he was doing was God's will. It was his plan and his purpose. And, and, and here we are with the slightest inconvenience, the, the slightest thing that doesn't go our way. And we have the audacity to get upset and to start questioning God. We, 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 there, many of us as Christians don't walk in peace. Many of us as Christians don't live in joy because we're basing our joy and our happiness on our circumstances. And if that's what your life is, if you're in a place where you're constantly basing your joy and your peace on your circumstances, I'm here to tell you, my friend, you got a long life ahead of you. A long life of defeat, discouragement, depression, anxiety, and a, a lot of issues. Because if you're looking for your circumstances to just kind of cool out and, and, and that's where you find your peace and your joy, I'm sorry to tell you, but you're either in a storm, you're just getting out of a storm, or you're heading in a storm. Like that is life. That's what it is. It just varies by degree. It just varies by degree. Now, we were only three chapters in. I got a snotty nose. It don't matter. The Holy Spirit's here. Let me drink some of this terrible coffee that I brewed this morning. The coffee's too hot. My Lord, it's good, baby. It's good. I make, I make Folgers when I'm at my mom's. I bought like a 37-gallon tub, and it's here every month in the freezer. And I still don't know how to make a good cup of coffee. I'm so spoiled. It's far too hot, and I put far too many grains. <clears throat> it's going to kill me. All right, so in verse 3, it says this. 
It says, we also have joy with our troubles. Preaching, right? Like I, I'm telling you, when I started reading Romans, I'm just like, ah, where's my highlighter? And the whole thing just basically got highlighted. But he says, we also have joy with our troubles because we know that these troubles produce patience. Oh, Lord. But, but let's back up. Who here really has joy with their troubles, right? This is a mindset and a perspective change because we have Jesus. As troubles come, as things happen, right? And guaranteed they're going to happen. That's just it. When they do, we have joy because we understand that in the face of troubles, it produces patience. So now many of us, we all, myself included, and we know that patience takes time. That's an inside joke if you guys catch on to it. But uh, troubles produce patience. We all need to be a little bit more patient. And we understand that as we're more patient, it produces character. And character produces hope. And if we have hope, Hope will never disappoint because God, right? Because God has poured out his love to fill our hearts. He gave us his love through the Holy Spirit whom God has given us. Patience produces character. Character produces hope. And this hope will not disappoint. There is no disappointment. It's a mindset change. It's a heart posture change. We talk about fixing our heart. And it's fixing our heart on the truth, not allowing it to be moved by the lies of the enemy, of the chaos of what's going on, of our circumstances, of our feelings and our emotions. Our, our eyes are set on the prize, and the prize is eternal salvation through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Understanding our faith makes us right. God is not there waiting to get mad at us. Moving forward, verse 8, it says this, and this is a, a well, a well, well quoted one. It says that uh, God shows his great love for us in this way. He died for us while we were still sinners. Right? It, it says that very few people will die to save the life of someone else. Right? Maybe for a good person. It, it, not many people are going to lay their life down for another person, but, you know, maybe a kid, maybe a baby, maybe a, a an old person who's crossing the street. You might dive out there, you know, just maybe for a good person, not an evil person, right? You see, you see Jeffrey Dahmer walking on the railroad tracks and a train's coming. You're not going to risk your life to jump down there and push him off the tracks. You're going to kind of be like, what? it is what it is and you're going to keep it moving right you're not going to you're not going to lay your life down on the line for somebody who uh in your personal opinion in your personal judgment you probably believe is uh guilty and 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 deserves what's coming to him but it says that god shows his great love for us in this way christ died for us while we were still sinners right while we were still sinners while we were still away from God. He died from us. Not not in not he didn't die for Andrew now. He didn't die for you in your final form where you're on fire for the Lord and you're reading your Bible and you're 126 days into coffee and prayer and you've got a 90 day streak and not looking at porn and you know it's not it's not that. That's not who he died for. He died for you when you were at your deepest, darkest, furthest away. Your heart was the hardest and the coldest and you were doing some things that were out there, man. Like that, God died for you in that state for your sins, the, the things that you, the things you probably never even told anybody, the deepest, darkest secrets, the skeletons in the skeleton's closet 
when you were doing things that you know you you don't even muster up the strength some of the the things and the stories that you gloss over that you try to forget god died for those he died for all of that right but we were still sinners so through christ we will surely be saved from god's anger because we have been made right with god by the blood of christ's death do you guys understand that like i when I when I, I I make posts and I see comments occasionally and sometimes I get to the DM, which is becoming a lot less frequent these days as the world opens up. I want to share that before I move forward. When we were in the middle of COVID nineteen and things were closed down, uh, my ministry was primarily online, and so I could spend an hour or two a day answering DMs. And uh, long gone are those days. The world's opened up. God has given me more opportunities to minister in person. So if I'm not getting to your guys's messages, I apologize because. I'm in a different season, right? We're in a completely different season. It's not that I don't care. It's not that I'm not listening or I don't love you guys. But like yesterday, I didn't even post on Instagram. I did coffee and prayer and that was it. I was traveling yesterday and then spending time with a, a friend and then driving. So it's just like at the end of the day, um, God really had me living real life. You know, I think that some people get a picture of me on social media and I'm just got, I'm on my phone just waiting for them to message. Like, man, I hope they message me today. I can't wait to respond or I can't wait to ignore them. And, and I'm not trying to be facetious, but it's just like, uh, uh, this is fun, but this isn't what pays my bills. I actually travel and speak at different locations. Like I, I do have like a real job and a real life, like a real church that I have to oversee, which is uh, a surprise to a lot of people. So if I'm not getting to your guys' messages or they're becoming really short, it's just because I'm not spending the same amount of time on social media that I used to. You know what I mean? Uh, just because I'm in a different season. And you got to roll with the punches. I think that, um, you know, it would be crazy of me to try to expect the same capacity and output that I had in 2020 when everything was closed. But now God has opened these different opportunities for me to be in person, which I really enjoy a lot more. I'd much rather shake your hand, give you a hug, look in your eyes and tell you something straight to your face than, uh, you know, back and forth with messaging just because you you lose that that personal touch but um i ain't going anywhere but just please be patient but look it says that uh you know he saved us from god's anger i get a lot of messages and people are just like god's angry at me god's mad at me god's punishing me and it's like i don't know where this notion comes from actually i think i do i think that uh, and i've said this and shared this before i think that people tend to mix our heavenly father with our earthly parents. We start to project our own relationship with our earthly parents onto our heavenly and holy God. And so if you have parents who were, you know, really strict or disciplinarians or they were authoritative when it came to punishment or uh, they didn't really express how they felt or they were passive aggressive, we tend to project that onto God. And so if we fall short or sin, we automatically think that God's mad at us or he's punishing us uh, or that um, you know he's up there waiting to pull the, uh, the rug out from underneath us of our salvation or that he's even disappointed, right? That God's up there going, man, I can't believe I saved them. Like they're really still making these mistakes. Like do you guys really think that's the heart of God? Or even some people will think, you know, that, that maybe their parents were absent, 
or they were they were abandoned and so they think that well god's not with me god's forgotten about me he's left me here on this rock all by myself they start to really feel like this these are feelings again that are based on emotion and circumstances and not grounded in truth and romans 5 is a great reminder that uh you know we're saved from god's anger we're saved from his wrath we're saved from that like i I always say there are consequences for your poor decisions but that's that's life that's not god punishing you or standing over you, trying to uh, beat you into submission, you have free will, right? That's the beauty of it. If you want to choose a life that opposes the scripture and doesn't follow the plan, purpose, and will of God, you have every right to do so. It's your choice. It's your decision. And he's not going to stand over you and beat you and try to drag you back into the flock. He's going to let you wander and go do what you want to do. There are consequences for your actions so if you think that you can go off and and you know get drunk and you know do whatever like you know just live in complete opposition of god i every time i describe sin somebody's just like (laughs) somebody takes it personal uh as if i know what they're doing i have no idea that's the first thing that came to mind but there will be consequences for your actions right consequences for your actions but God's anger he's not angry at you he's not disappointed he you know it's not like he's caught off guard or he's he's up there frustrated because you're not getting it right and I think that once you start to see who God is uh, that he is just that he is fair that he is jealous that he is loving that he is a righteous judge that there will you will have to answer for the time that you spend I'm not sugarcoating any of that But when you start to understand how uh, we get to relate to him on a daily basis as our father, as our friend, it says this, it says in verse 10, while we were God's enemies, he made friends with us through the death of his son. We're friends of God. It says, surely now that we are his friends, he will save us through his son's life. And not only that, but now we are also very happy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we are now God's friends again. We are his friends. We are his children. We, we, there is no anger. There is no wrath that's being poured out on believers because of what Jesus did on the cross. Right? We're, we're saved by faith in Christ. And the, the thing is, is that so many people want to be saved because they want to go to heaven. They don't want to go to hell, but they don't realize that once you're saved, eternity, like the, the benefits start now. You tap into your benefit package. The benefit package is that the veil was torn. You now have access to God. You no longer have his anger poured out on you. You no longer uh, have his wrath poured out on you. He now sees you as the righteousness of Christ. You now have access to him, direct line communication. You now are his friend. Like, he loves you. What? He loves you. Like, come on. Come on. You know? It's so good. And, and if we can get to that place where we're not... <clears throat> a lot of condemnation, a lot of guilt... And, and regret and shame, none of that comes from God. That's not fruits of the Spirit, right? The, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. And so what happens is he comes in and he starts questioning. He's very analytical. Is that what God says? Are you really his friend? Well, if you were his friend, why did you struggle with sin? Why did you fall? Oh, you're his friend? Well, you should be guilty. You should feel, are you really, are you really saved? Do you really have faith in Jesus? Why don't you say these bad words? Why, Like there's the accuser of the brethren who comes in and accuses you and tries to get in your head. And if you don't know this, because this is truth, as the enemy says, oh, are you really his friend? You can go back. Actually, you know what? In Romans chapter five, I am. 
This is truth. Oh, the, the devil might say, well, God's angry at you. Well, hold on. In verse 8, he says that I'm saved from God's anger. That's truth. So flee from me, devil. Get away from me. I resist you. Flee from me. And then he leaves. And then you're just like, oh, okay. That like, I, I don't think that we understand that that's how it works. We have a very real enemy who he is here and he's trying to distract you. He's trying to lie to you. He's trying to condemn you. He's trying to, you know, he's trying to trick you and deceive you and make you feel a certain kind of way because if he gets you in your feelings and your emotions then you stop operating in the plan purpose and will that God has for you and you spend so much time questioning your salvation and feeling bad for yourself and beating yourself up that you're not able to focus on the mission at hand which is spreading the gospel and that renders you useless and so we spend time in the word so that we know the truth so as the lies come in the fiery darts the little arrows we pick up our sword and we cut them down we have the shield of faith and go no my faith is in Jesus. Guess what? I know that what those thoughts are, those are lies. Those those contradict the word of God. And oh, I, I find it as I read and I highlight and I remind myself and I, you know, okay, God, write this on my heart. So I might not even have my Bible, but as I'm being convicted or as I'm being condemned by the lies of the enemy, I remind myself, hold on a second. I know that I read in scripture that I'm a friend of God. So anything that is in opposition of that is a lie from hell. So I'm going to defeat the enemy with the truth. Oh, you're alone. Nobody loves you. Hold on a second. That's not true. I'm so loved that Jesus died on the cross for me while I was a sinner. That's truth. I'm going to stand on that. And enemy, I resist you. Flee from me. And it's like, <coughs> I wish that I could like break it down and I could just impart this wisdom that you guys would just receive this and write this on your heart so that you can like really grasp a hold of what we have here. This is truth. Everything else is a lie. We stand on this. Your identity, your value, your worth is all found in here right now. I'm trying to give you your worth. You should be filled with peace and joy. Anything in opposition of that is a lie right? You should be ruled by your identity, knowing that, hey, troubles are going to come. My circumstances, the fact that troubles don't come, I need to embrace troubles because troubles produce or patience and then patience, character and character, hope. And because I have hope, I'm filled with joy and love. Oh, great. Also, God's not mad at me. Oh man, I don't have to worry about God getting mad at me every time if I make a mistake. And because he's my friend, I love him. I want to serve him. I want to do what's right. And the more that I understand who he is and how much he loves me, and, and I, I want to make him proud, and I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So I change the way that I live my life. And it's this, it's faith comes before the obedience. You put your faith in Christ, and as you get to know him better and who he is and what he did for you, the way that you start to live changes. Your heart posture becomes more fixed. The way that you see the world changes. And then, and then you're, you're hungry for more. I want to know more about him. Who else does he say that I am? What kind of authority do I have? It says he made us friends through the death of his son. And it says not only that, we are also very happy in God because we're friends again. This is good news. Good news. And then in the rest of verse or chapter 5, you know, uh, there's this comparison, there's this contrast between Adam and Christ that I really love. Through one man, uh, sin came into the world because of what one man did. And with the sin came death. And that's why everybody must die. Right? News flash. If you guys haven't heard it today, first off, I love you. If nobody's told you this morning, let me be the first one to do so. Second thing, uh, you're going to die. Right? And I don't say that flippantly. I don't say that, you know, sarcastically. But nobody gets out of here alive. 
You know what I mean? Like, nobody. Nobody. You're going to die. Everybody does. And um, that's because of the sin of Adam, the very first man. And because everyone sinned, everybody must die. Um, we don't get to choose how. We don't get to choose when. We don't get to choose the circumstances. Sometimes it can be unexpected. Sometimes it can be, you know, expected. Um, unfortunately, that is a part of life. And I, I get that many of us become hung up on grief and we become sentimental and we become, uh, this is going to make me sound really hard and really uh, like I don't. Like, I don't love people, but I really do. I've lost people in my life. Um, quite a few. Quite a few people I've lost. A lot of family members, loved ones, close friends, things like that. And the grieving process for me is, uh, it's very short. It's a very short grieving process. Life has to go on. And <clears throat> I think that a, a big part that lends to grief is that, uh, number one, um, uh, my, my prayer is that they're in a better place, right? Number one. And so that kind of also adds to the urgency that I need everybody I know and love and care about. I need them to know Jesus. I need them to have their faith in Jesus. So when the unexpected happens, so when they do take their last breath and they depart from this place, I know that I'll see them again, right? So for me, that's mission critical. I need to make sure that the people who I love and I know and care about know that they know the Lord, period, point blank. But also... It's uh, it's like, it's a part of the plan, and and people have they get so caught up. Well, how can it be a part of the plan for a kid, or how can it be a part of the plan? It's a part of the plan for everybody, and, and that's the sad part. Is not you know we don't get to choose when, why, how. We don't really get to choose the circumstances. But if you have faith in Jesus, you understand. If you if you truly believe, then you ha you can like wrap your mind around that this is a part of the process. This isn't a surprise. Um, and uh, again, the grieving process is it's challenging. I'm not going to sit here and try to sugarcoat it, and I don't want to sound like a monster. But um, the grieving process for me is very short lived. Very short lived because I do understand that um, this isn't it. Right? The goal is never to live as long as you possibly can. The goal is never to be here on this earth as long as you possibly can. That's the, that's the, the ways of the world. That's what the world wants is, you know, they're trying to become immortal and live uh, here. I, I want to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. I want to be with him. And I'm going to spend every moment breathing, every opportunity that I have. You're not gonna, you're not gonna question where I stand with Him. If you know me, you're gonna know Jesus. It's that simple. If you know me, you're gonna know Jesus. It's, it's that's my life's mission, as it should be all followers of Christ. And when we know that, if you know me, you know Jesus, then that makes the grieving process a little bit easier. You start to understand that, hey, these people, my friends, my family, my loved ones, if something unexpected, I can be sad for the moment, I can grieve, but I can also say, you know what? I'm gonna see them later. Their, their mission, their assignment was over for this time. Their time on this, it expired, it was done. Uh, God didn't make a mistake, he didn't mess up. Um, that's a part, of, a part of life. I'm gonna stop on that subject, but uh, I just want to, I think that coming to grips with our own mortality and understanding that that's a part of the process is, it's transformational.
right? It's transformational. Um, and, and really for me, it lights a fire is every day that I wake up could be the very last day that I breathe breath. Therefore, I'm going to utilize it to the best of my ability. There's no wasted days. Um, every time I get on a plane, I was just like, this could be it. And so, you know, I make sure that my orders are in, in a fair before I hop on there and turn my phone into airplane mode. You know what I mean? I make sure I got my stuff up and it's like, hey, you guys know where I stand. I love you. And I just pray to God that, you know, if this thing touches down on the other side, that's awesome. If it doesn't, guess what? You know, uh, you guys know where I stand and you know where I'll be. I'll see you guys there. You know, that's kind of the mindset that uh, you have. And it, you know, there's no fear because I know where I'm going. There's no, there's none of those things. All of that stuff goes away. You truly have a peace. You truly have a joy and a happiness uh, when you're completely sold out to the mission at hand. You know why you are here. Amen. So there's this comparison between Adam and Jesus. Uh, and he just, he goes into detail. You guys are going to get a chance to read this part. Um, God's free gift came after many sins and it makes people right with God. It says, uh, God's full grace, Wait, but now those people who accept God's full grace and the great gift of being made right with him will surely have true life and rule through the one man, Jesus Christ. Come on. One good act that Christ did makes all people right with God. It says in verse 20, we talked about this in the last chapter in Romans 4, the law came to make sin worse, but when sin grew worse, God's grace increased. And in the last verse, it says, and this brings life forever through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I don't want to read the entire chapter to you. Um, <coughs> excuse me. But uh, man, God is so good. He's so good. He is friend. He is lover of our soul. He is father. Uh, there is no anger. There is no wrath for those of us who put our faith in Jesus. The anger and wrath is reserved for those who still have sin, right? We're no longer sinners. We're saints. We're seen as the righteousness of Jesus. It's so good. God is so good and so faithful. I'm so grateful and, and filled with, um, man, just, just joy and peace and just true peace. And, um, yeah, man, God is so good. Moving forward, jumping into, uh, Psalm 115, there wasn't, you know, this is, this, the Psalms are, they're fairly short. There's 18 verses. Uh, there's two things that stood out. He's referenced as their help and their shield multiple times. I believe three, maybe four times. Ye that fear the Lord. Verse 11 says, Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Um, and then verse 1 says, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory. Uh, God deserves the glory. Time in and time out. Time in and time out. God deserves the glory. Every, uh, everything, every opportunity, every place, God receives the glory because he is good and faithful. Um, everything that we have is his. We are stewards of gifts. We are stewards of money. We are stewards of our children, right? right? Like nothing is ours. And it's easy in this world to get caught up with, oh, you know, this is mine, that's mine, this is my thing. Like at the end of the day, none of it's ours. Uh, it all returns to him. 
And when, when it's, I just feel like today's, today's really this, uh, a day that focuses on mindset shifting, shifting your mindset and your perspective and, and coming back to that idea of fixing your heart, fixing your heart and understanding that, um, that it's not about us. It's so not. And it's such a hard concept to get because we are fed this from a very young age. We are fed that uh, the world, you can be whatever you want. You can grow up and be an astronaut. You can grow up and be a president or a doctor or a lawyer. And I'm not even opposing that. But the way that we are sold life from a very young age is that it just revolves around us and that we're this unique little flower with a one of one thumbprint that's just so delicate and precious and you just can grow up and the world will just, you know, it owes you something, you know. And and in God's eyes, we are a unique, delicate little flower with a one of one thumbprint and he cherishes us. He knows the hair on our head. He knows all the freckles on your body. He knows you. He loves you. But um, it's not about us being what we want. And uh, that is a lie that this world sells us from a very young age. And it almost evolves to this place where, you know, if you're not with me, you're against me. Right? I'm going to get what I want regardless of the people that I hurt or the, the, the ladder that I got to climb or the people that I need to step on. And it's evolved into this, you know, uh, nobody's going to hold me back. I'm going to grind 24-7. I'm chasing the bag. It's blood, sweat, and tears. Go hard or go home. It's this mentality of like, I'm going, regardless of the resistance, I'm going to get what I want because this is about me. This is about my legacy. This is about my story. Right? That's the mindset of this world. Because the only legacy that I'm concerned about is, is people seeing Christ in my life. That's the only legacy that I care about. My, I could care less about a legacy of money or wealth or riches or any of that. If I leave my kids with anything, it's the, the, the understanding and knowledge of who Jesus is and who they are in his eyes. And I pray that the legacy that I leave is that my kids put their faith in Christ and use their lives to encourage others to do the same. That's the only legacy that I'm concerned with, right? And, and that's not what this world tells you. Uh, to you, Lord, be the glory, right? Unto you, Lord, be the glory. But that's not the life that, that's not the world that we live in. Everybody wants the glory. Everybody wants it to be about them. And even us, even as Christians, we fall into this trap of, you know, pat, we, we want to be patted on the back. We want to be recognized for our accomplishments. And none of that's inherently bad or evil. But uh, it's very easy to try to become the star of the show when the star of the show is, always will be, and should always be Jesus. The end of the day, that's what it's about. It's not about, you know, I don't want this to ever be about, oh, you know, it's it's about Andrew. No, it's about Jesus. We're here because of him. If I don't show up, I pray that you guys still get into your Bible. I pray that you guys still seek him. I pray that, uh, you know, that, that, that Jesus is the star of the show. You're not here because I'm hilarious or uh, because of my unique interpretation. I, I pray that you're here because Jesus is in this place. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not anything that I'm doing. Uh, usually I'm just a guy in a Jeep who loves Jesus. Today I'm, I'm just a dude in a bunk bed who loves the Lord. I'm just a guy who showed up. I woke up this morning, rolled out of bed, brewed some horrible coffee, and uh, am just here sharing my heart, passion, and zeal for the Lord. 
and I couldn't do this on my own because God prepared me for this ministry and for this moment. It wasn't my own doing. It, in fact, I ran from the calling on my life. I didn't want to do it. Uh, I thought it was crazy. But um, here we are, and God receives the glory. God receives the glory. It's not about me. It's not about anything uh, that, that I do. It's not even about you guys, right? He receives the glory. And, and it's it's... It's so good. God is so good and so faithful. Right? Amen. Amen. I want to... Uh... <laughs> Christian says, I mean, you're kind of cool. <laughs> I appreciate it. Chris nailed it, man. Um, dude in a bunk bed that <laughs> loves God. That's a new series. Right? <laughs> bunk beds and Bibles. Let's go. Uh Pride is always lurking. It's a daily battle. I was talking to my brother yesterday uh, as I, I drove up to Portland to, to spend some time with him. And, you know, we were watching some of the news and we were watching, you know, just kind of praying over a bunch of things and talking about a bunch of so many topics. But one of them, there's this old movie and uh, that I used to watch growing up. And I used to love this movie. This is before I was saved. So before you guys rush to judgment with your pharisaical thinking, calm down, chill. It's a movie called uh, The Devil's Advocate with Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino. And uh, this is a movie about a man who, he's a lawyer and he, you know, he gets this like child molester off, uh, off the charges and he becomes this great defense attorney. And the devil comes and he like recruits him. And has him on this rise to stardom with these great high-level clients. And he's making money and women. And it's all of these things, right? And uh, I think that in that movie, yeah, if you never watched it, don't. But um, if you know, you know. It's They do a great job of, Al Pacino does a great job of like the devil being persuasive. And, uh, you know, his argument and how, you know, he's he's almost likable in the sense that he's a fan of man and he's trying to, he's he's here for the guy. He wants him to win. And like, it's just, it, it's crazy, but he uses fame. And if fame doesn't work, he uses ego or he uses pride or he uses lust. But there's so many, like he, he sneaks his way into it, right? It's, it's just uh, the way, the way that the devil is so cunning through you know he knows he knows what you or your prevalence is right if, if it's pride if it's ego he understands that if it's lust or sexual immorality he understands that if it's addiction like he's done his work he's done his homework he studied up on you he knows the things that you are more prevalent to fall into and so if it's pride like he'll put you he'll, he'll try to set up situations with other people that will put you in a place of pride and um I find myself in that situation a lot. It's not really pride. It's uh, it's frustration, right? It, like I hate to say it, one of the fruits of the spirit is not frustration. Being frustrated and constantly uh, like irritated and agitated—that's not a fruit of the spirit. And that's something that God really is working on me and in this season of life. And I, I share this often, but it usually happens. A lot of it is driving and traffic is I will be driving and the way that people drive down here, they're constantly testing my patience. And I get so frustrated where I'll start mumbling things under my breath or, uh, I mean, even in the last, in this last six months, I took up sign language um, and not the kind that you think, not ASL, man, where, you know, I'm a pastor and 
you know, somebody almost wrecks us. And the, my first initial reaction is to fly a bird at him. And, uh, you know, just because my life was on the line and it's just like the spirits, like that's not from God. That's not from the Lord. And so the enemy will put me in situations that are really testing me. And I'm, I'm over here like speaking in tongues these days and praying as I'm driving. And I'm just like, I'm so focused. And it's just like, God bless you. I love you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh my goodness. Like I stopped leaving the house for a while just because the, the, the situations that I'm getting so frustrated and God really put it on my heart through a message, a sermon that I was watching. And he's just like, He's like, if you're a Christian and you're constantly like frustrated and irritated, that's not a fruit of the spirit. That's a part of your ego. That's a part of pride. That's a part of anger. And uh, that's something that you need to work on. And I was like so convicted. And that's something that I've really been working on. And so, um, yeah, man, the, the enemy knows what you know, your prevalence is and, and it changes from time to time, right? What I used to struggle with when I was a new Christian uh, is not something that I struggle with. Those things are elementary at this point. So if something from my past pops up, it's like, ah, I dealt with that a long time ago. It's not even an issue, but it's, I feel like the, the closer you get to Christ, the more subtle it is, right? Now I think that he starts working with a little bit of jealousy, a little bit of envy, a little bit of ego, a little bit of pride, a little bit of anger, a little bit of frustration, maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, selfishness. Like there's, there's these little ways that he'll try to sneak in. It's not blatant. Like I'm not doing drive-bys and selling drugs kind of sin now. It's like now it's, it's these small little areas of your life that if you're not paying attention, that he'll kind of slide right in there and you'll be operating in that heart posture for a couple of days. And then you'll have to like check into reality and be like, wow, I've been operating like this is still sin, right? It's, it's still sin. I'm operating in this weird, like, you know, I feel off. Something's off in my spirit. I could be here on coffee and prayer, reading my Bible, praying, worshiping God. And then two minutes later, you know, almost get into an accident and I'm saying things that I shouldn't. And it's just like, how quick am I to go from like, oh God, I worship you with my mouth and I praise you from my heart and I'm just this new creation. I'm singing Gyra, you're my provider. And the next thing you know, ah, freaking out. Like, ah, Lord, help us all. Thank you, God, that he's not up there waiting to rip our salvation out from underneath us. I would have lost mine a long time ago. You know what I mean? Glory to God. Come on, man. Somebody, okay, this is the last thing I'm going to address. I feel like the enemy is constantly testing more now that I'm closer to God. Like, that's the point, right? And this is what I'll say, and then we're going to pray. When you're not living for God, why is the enemy going to bother you? When I was living in sin, I was having a blast. Before I knew what sin was, there was no guilt. There was no shame. There was no condemnation. I didn't know what I was missing. I didn't know what I was doing. As soon as I heard the name of Jesus and I understood what sin was and I received the Holy Spirit, life got rough because I was on the other team. I was on the world's team. And so everything that I was doing, the enemy was like, I was living it up. I had, I had influence. I had people. I was the life of the party. People wanted to come to my house and drink and smoke weed and have sex and everybody. It was like this big party. The second I got saved... It got it different. Now there's this guilt and this shame and there's this heaviness that comes with my actions because I understand, like I, I saw the light and, and I was exposed to the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit dwells within me. I could no longer just live in sin without there being some kind of uh, a consequence. There, there, now I can't just do these things with and, and just ignore it. And so the closer I get to God, the more 
impact that I'm making for the kingdom, of course, the enemy's going to turn the heat up a lot more for those who are in the plan, purpose, and will of God. You can be saved. And if you're so concerned about yourself and your own life and your own comfort, the enemy's not going to bother you because you're in this cycle of like, you're just focused on you. But the more that you die to self and pick up your cross and start focusing on Jesus, of course he's going to try to turn up the heat. Of course he's going to try to knock you off the, the road. Of course he's going to try to kick your feet out from underneath you because what you're doing is living on purpose. And when you're living on purpose, you're making an impact in other people's lives. When you're living on purpose, you're now the light of the world. And everywhere that you go, you shine. And so what he's going to do, he's going to try to dim that light. He's going to have you try to turn that down. He doesn't want you making an impact. So yes, the closer you get to God, I believe, the, the more that the enemy turns up the pressure and turns up the heat. Because now you are a walking, uh, talking, uh, you know, imitation of who Christ is. And that bothers him. Uh, a Christian who's not walking in authority, boldness, or power, who's just constantly beat down and discouraged, the enemy's got you right where he wants you. You know, he might come around every now and again and kick you real quick to keep you down. Like that, that might be, he might throw little things at you, but he looks, he's like, oh, they're right where I want them. I don't, I just, I just got to do some maintenance work now. I just need to come around every so often and make sure that they're not focused on Jesus. They're just focused on their circumstances. This is right where I need them. But it's the ones who have got their eyes on the prize and they're living on fire. He's just like, oh man, what? I'm trying to throw things at him. Trouble? No, because we know trouble brings patience and patience brings character and character brings hope. Well, let me try to disrupt their life. Too bad, man. I got peace. You can, you can do all of these things. I've got peace. I'm unshakable. I'm built on the rock. And so he's going to come and he's going to try to rattle the cage and try to, you know, do all of these things and throw the kitchen sink at you. But you just stay unmoved and unraveled. And, and I think eventually he he backs off and then he comes back at an opportune, a more opportune time, just like he did with Jesus in Luke. It says that uh, the devil was tempting him, tempting him after the 40 days in the wilderness. And uh, when he saw that he wasn't going to move. Jesus says that he left until a more opportune time. And that tells us that the enemy, uh, you know, he'll, he'll rattle your cage, rattle your cage. If he gets a reaction, he's going to stick around. He's going to stay there and he's going to keep, you know, messing around. But if he sees that he can't rattle you, you can't be moved, he's going to take off. But don't be so confident or cocky and think that, oh, I beat him. He's gone. No, he goes off and handles some business somewhere else and he comes back around. How are they doing? Oh, oh, they haven't been reading their Bible. Okay. They haven't been in prayer. Oh, they're they're watching football instead of going to church. They're not fellowshipping. Oh, oh, their prayers are really short right now. They're not, they're just kind of going through the motions. This is a more opportune time for me to kind of slide in here. They've got they they've been sitting on their laurels. They started feeling good about themselves because I haven't been around for a while. They started to they started to pat themselves on the back. So let me just slide through here and see. Let me really test that. Let me test their faith right now. Bam. And then they catch you slipping. He catches you slipping. And then you're defeated and you're slumped over feeling, you know, worthless and like God's mad at you. But you didn't stay. It was you not staying on your grind. Amen. Amen. He prowls around like a lion ready to devour. Man, just waiting for you to stop. He's waiting for you. Oh, they haven't been to coffee and prayer for three days. Huh? Oh, they're letting the, the troubles and struggles of life come in. Oh, okay. They're focused on themselves and their own comfort. They, they started feeling pretty good. They got the victory. They got what they wanted in prayer. Okay, they were praying for something and they were, they were doing something. They got what they wanted and they stopped praying. Oh, okay. Let's slide back through and see if we can't rattle the cage. Amen.
Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. I love you guys. And um, I just appreciate you guys <laughs> dealing with me. 500 people, man. I can't believe 500 of you guys really put up with my stuff. I ask my wife that often. Like, how do you even love me? This is crazy. Because I know I can be a handful sometimes. But um, I just appreciate you guys. I love you. This is... Uh, people ask, they're just like, how do you get up every day at 4.30? And it's like, have you not been to Coffee and Prayer? It's amazing. Like, I love you guys. It's... Um, it's so much fun, man. It's, we're just we're just like a bunch of we're just a we're just a ragtag group of folks from around the world who just love Jesus and uh, you know even 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 the gals you guys attacked the other day. Uh, my sisters are they're still on here. Like you guys didn't run them off. I hope you know. Uh, and that's a shout out to the, the the two gals about the crystals, right? Like some of some of us weren't as super kind uh, about how we addressed that situation and. Um, I love that this is a community that's so built on love that even in the face of like us being abrasive and not showing truth with love, just a lot of truth, um, that they're still here. They're just like, hey, we love you, man. We're still showing up. It's not a fan. We know that it was done out of love. Some of the ways that people could have said stuff could have been a little bit more loving, but the fact that it didn't run everybody off was um, it's just a testament of the community that you guys have built. So. I love you guys. <laughs> she says, God, I swore you over here. You're not going to run us off just because we disagree. At the end of the day, we're on the same team and uh, we're all, you know, on this journey of sanctification and knowing Christ more. And he's changing us and challenging us every single day. That is what it is to pick up your cross and to follow Jesus, right? All right, I'm going to shut up. Let's pray. And I want to thank you guys uh, for the badges. I, I The last couple of days, it doesn't say how much badges. And so um, it's been 80 bucks for the last three days. So I thank you guys and I honor you. And so um, I really just appreciate and And it really does make a difference. We were able to do baptisms this last month and give some really cool little certificates out. Uh, none of that stuff's free. And so when you guys donate and do the badges, it really does help. So we just appreciate you guys. And then we had church on Sunday, which was super cool. Um, so, yeah. Let's pray. Somehow, somehow my, my connection's getting weird. All right. So, Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for another day. God, I personally right now want to thank you and praise you for getting me here safely. Um, for safe travels and allowing me just to be in this place and uh, to be a vessel for your Holy Spirit. God, we want to give you glory and honor, Lord, because you are holy and because uh, you never fail us. You call us friend. You've forgiven us for our sins. Even when we were dead to rights, you gave your life. Lord Jesus, you gave your life when we didn't deserve it, when we, we deserve nothing but the the, the true penalty, which is eternal separation from God because of our sins, because of the way that we lived our life, because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so today we praise you and honor you. Um, we wouldn't be here without you. Uh, it's just so, so honored and privileged that you would allow us to know your son, Jesus, that we would have his divine revelation. Uh, the, that we would know his death, burial, and resurrection, and that you would give us the assignment and mission to make him more known throughout the world. And Lord, today, 
We just want to lift up our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and in Russia. Uh, we pray for them, Lord, from the deepest parts of our hearts and our spirits. We just ask that you would comfort them, uh, that you would protect them, that you would lead them and guide them, that your will would be done in this situation, that you would receive glory, that uh, from this fiasco, from this chaos that is taking place in the world, that uh, you would receive the honor and that, that somehow your good would come from this, that people would find a place of repentance, they would put their faith in you, and that there would be revival uh, in these places. God, if it's your will for peace, then that's what we ask for. But at the end of the day, we want what you want, uh, because that is the true, uh, that's the true way to pray, is that your will be done here on this earth as it is in heaven. If it is your will for there to be peace, then so be it. But if it is your will for there to be a sword, then so be it. We trust you. We trust you and we have faith that you know what you're doing, that you are God. We don't question you. We, we, we're here, willing, ready, God. Send us. Use us. Allow us to be just a part of your kingdom and, and to be uh, you know, individuals who are on fire for you, who carry around the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in our smile, in our eyes, in our actions, in our thoughts, in everything that we do, using our resources, talents, time, energy, uh, effort, everything that we have, making you more known. That's what we truly desire. We truly desire that because we know that is true life. God, give us your peace, your comfort, and your joy. <clears throat> Help us to see past our circumstances and to place our eyes firmly on you. And lastly, Lord, we ask that you would breathe life into my brother and sister's circumstances, um, that your will would be done, that they would see your hand in all things, even in the no's, even in the not yet's, even in the, the spaces and the seasons of waiting and patience. Help them to trust you and to know that your timing is perfect and that you are never late. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. So uh, I love you guys. I honor you. Tomorrow, my my I won't be able to be in the room. I'll be in the car. I'll be braving the the frigid weather as we do coffee and prayer. So don't be disappointed if it's a little bit shorter. I was able to hang in there here, but um, tomorrow's in the car. I don't know what that's going to look like. We'll just let the spirit lead. But um, I love you guys, and I honor you, and I so so look forward to seeing you guys back here tomorrow. Have an amazing day. And again, uh, I don't can't see the badges, but I know you guys donated them. I appreciate you, and I honor you. So we'll catch you guys later. Have a good one. See you tomorrow.